All right, guys. So in this episode, let's talk about if it fits your macros. Warning ahead, I don't want to spend too much time or basically any time explaining what it is because I'm pretty sure that I would be wasting nine out of 10 people's time that is tuning into this. I think uh, what is important to clarify is that if it fits your macros after having been around as a nutritional concept for the past, not sure how many years, maybe five, six, seven years, now means something else to everybody. Uh, there are people who like to use the term if it fits your macros to describe what they do with their nutrition simply because it's an easy term to describe what they do diet-wise because at this point many people are familiar with the concept but their general approach to nutrition is very reasonable or should even be set as an example. There are also people who mischaracterize if it fits your macros and make it out to be something that it's not when they form public criticisms about it. But there are also people who promote an approach when they promote IIFYM if it fits your macros that actually forms the basis of the strawman type criticism that IIFYM often receives. So my aim with this episode is to provide a general overview of the If It Fits Your Macros movement as it unfolded in the last couple of years. And obviously the title somewhat gives it away, but I'll give away the keynote summary in advance once again. And that is, I think overall any type of nutritional approach or diet that helps large groups of people to get leaner, have better health markers, is overall a positive influence. If on top of this, it also educates people about some fundamental scientific principles, or at least some fundamental principles about the topic at hand, such as nutrition in this case, that is an even more positive influence. But when a movement takes off, gets some momentum, the number of experts in the topic expands, the number of followers expand, more and more blogs pop up, more and more businesses develop around it then the quality of the information flow on average tends to degrade, the claims being made tend to get more and more sensationalistic, and when ignorance gets combined with arrogance, and when marketing strategies require the making of more and more disingenuous claims, then it just becomes a non-pretty picture. And I think that something similar has happened with the If It Fits Your Macros movement, unfortunately. So let's first take a general overview of how the IIFYM movement unfolded over time. You know, it all started well and fine. It dispelled a ton of myths around nutrition and brought a ton of people out to the light. People who were looking for magic foods or who were avoiding certain foods like the plague, who were missing the forest for the trees, they helped them to get educated about the immutable laws of nutrition. I know tons of people, in fact, I should say almost everyone I know outside of fitness would benefit from going on an If It Fits Your Macros bootcamp. Just learning about freaking calories, learning about protein, learning about portion sizes, just getting an awareness of why they are not losing weight, why are they gaining weight, learn how to put things into perspective would be a greatly beneficial experience for these people. But the problem is that now, if it fits your macros, have fallen for the same thing that basically all dietary approaches fall for once they take off, which is making sexy claims. And the sexy claims include things such as you can just eat all the treat foods, cookies, candy, fries, and ice cream while getting super lean levels of body fat, and everything will be a breeze. You will be free from the worries of dieting. There will be minimal restriction or that there is no such thing as healthier foods and less healthy foods, 
that nothing matters in nutrition, just your macros and fiber. And quite frankly, simply the claim that a hardcore, if it fits your macros approach, where you are very precise with your specific macronutrient targets, is some sort of an end goal that people should get to in their nutrition journeys. And on top of that, there is this by now ridiculous demonization of any diet or nutritional approach where someone has certain hard rules on certain foods or nutrients. And some of these claims, mainly those that claim minimal restriction, ease of mind, and ultimate freedom, are flat-out lies. Some of them, uh, mainly the ones concerning health, are, I would say, irresponsible and questionable in terms of scientific integrity. And some of them, such as portraying precise measurement and being super on point with your numbers as a long-term goal to get to, or I think just kind of questionable, not only from a practical perspective, but sort of from an overall outlook on life type of perspective. So let's talk about a few of these things in a bit more detail. Let's start with the flexibility and the mental health part of the story, because this is the most difficult one to hammer home. I think to keep it simple, I would say this. The understanding that that nutrition, as far as it concerns body composition, is largely a numbers game. That you need to get enough of certain things, such as protein, and you need to get the appropriate amount of some other things, such as calories, and that there are no magical things that will somehow degrade or enhance your body composition. That if you go to a restaurant and you get something that looks pretty sugary, pretty greasy, not particularly like the kinds of foods that generally support you to be lean and jacked, then you don't need to freak out because at the end of the day, all that can happen is that your numbers in some regards will be out of the norm. But that's very correctable if you stay reasonable. You know, all that stuff is great. And I would say that that is indeed a great recipe for a flexible mindset. However, when I look around the IIFYM horizon, when I see some of the popular content producers that represent the IIFYM brand, the degree of inflexibility and neuroses is basically endless. I see everything from just tracking all three macronutrients and trying to hit them within 5 to 10 grams every day, even though they are not dieting or getting ready for anything, to putting everything on the scale, to tracking down carb and fat amounts on the gram scale and within things like Splenda. To me, it's pretty hard to deem this approach as super flexible. You know, to me, one of these big, the emperor has no clothes moments was when I saw one of the most popular figures within, with a scientific background, walking the viewers through the process of throwing together some meal. And he was describing how he reduces his fats here by having only egg whites because he wants to have more fats there. And he uses low carb variants of something else because the Splenda he uses has like five grams of carbs. And basically to me, the entire video was basically showcasing how to turn a simple meal into a complex math equation and micromanage the hell out of everything. And I even looked through the comments and I even saw other people commenting similarly like sorry but how is this flexible i mean you're accounting for every gram of everything that you're eating and i'm just going to say that measuring weighing counting keeping a log there's nothing wrong with any of these things but these terms are not really in line with the idea of flexibility there is only one component of this that is flexible and that is food selection because yes if you're accounting for the energy and macronutrient content of everything you eat to the best of your abilities, then yes, 
technically you can incorporate everything into your day-to-day nutrition that you want. But it's not any more flexible than the person who only eats a much more limited selection of foods, but eating those without the precise measurement that goes into all of this. Now, I want to say something real quick. If you're someone listening to this and you do all of these things, such as tracking, weighing, measuring, but you don't mind doing these things, or you even enjoy doing these things, if it doesn't interfere with the quality of your life, that's great, awesome, more power to you. I'm not here to question the way in which you lead your life. I am simply questioning those that like to praise this method of doing things for its flexibility and lifestyle friendliness, and in the meantime, call people out who just say, I eat these foods and I don't eat other foods or eat a low-carb diet or I'll only eat whole foods or eat quote-unquote clean. They just flat-out ridicule them for having an eating disorder or being neurotic. This brings up the other concept, which is a big beef that I have with the concept of IIFYM, which is the idea that the term flexible dieting and if it fits your macros are somehow synonymous. And like I said, I think that when you look at the actual behaviors that go into the if it fits your macros type of lifestyle, it's simply disingenuous. And secondly, I think it's ironic that the term clean eating is so often ridiculed by proponents of if it fits your macros or, well, basically by most people who are into fitness these days because what does that even mean? Clean eating, how do you define clean foods? And in the meanwhile, they just as arbitrarily chose the term flexible as their brand name, which is just as questionable, if not more questionable. And uh, when it comes to these marketing campaigns and ads that pop up, for example, in my newsfeed saying that here is how you can eat cookies and pizza and get lean. To me, this flat out falls into the scam category. Like when I see these things, I'm just shaking my head like you poor bastards, please don't click on this. It's not going to be what you think it is because it's going to be some ebook that helps you to calculate your macro targets and it will give you a protein number and a fiber minimum and it will tell you that if you want, you can measure out exactly a slice and a half of pizza for yourself every day so that you won't go over your fat and carb targets. Like woohoo, you know, it kind of reminds me of the uh, evil pirate guy in the uh, what's it called? Pirates of the Caribbean, who, you know, promises its captives that he's going to let them free. And then he just throws them out in the middle of the ocean saying that, well, I didn't specify where I'm going to set you free and when. Um, you know, and finally on this theme, I think the demonization of a lot of dietary approaches that has one eliminate any type of food or nutrient or the thinking that there are good foods and bad foods or equating these with an eating disorder and putting IIFYM on a pedestal, as in that being the ultimate healthy way of approaching nutrition, is once again just disingenuous and misleading. I think that the problem with all of these approaches that I just mentioned, such as eliminating foods or calling foods bad or good, is mainly a lack of understanding of nutritional principles and having sufficient context, and the resulting binary thinking. And sure, when someone is of the mindset that a little bit of some food that was not on his original meal plan is going to screw everything up, that's a problem. And that should be addressed by providing good information on the topic. But this kind of binary thinking is equally present in quote-unquote flexible dieters who are trying to hit all their numbers within 5 grams and get extremely obsessive about the entire process. And sure... Not understanding that the problem with having some cookies, whereas you plan for not having them, 
is not that the cookies have some magical, fattening, evil superpower, but that it just adds some unwanted calories to your diet. Not understanding that is problematic, and that can lead to binary thinking, needless frustration, and, you know, potential disordered eating patterns. But I think if someone has a sufficient knowledge and understanding about these principles, and then calls certain foods junk or even bad foods, God forbid, is it really going to set that person up for disordered eating? I don't know. I mean, I have no problem calling pizza, cookies, and ice cream junk. You may argue that even that's inappropriate, but I don't know why that's inappropriate when these foods are largely devoid of beneficial compounds, micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, and potentially even contain things with negative impacts on health, such as, you know, trans fats and things of that nature. Which brings me to the next point, which concerns general health. And here, the general discussion plays out something like this. The person who has a beef with if it fits your macros accuses the hardcore IIFYM person that if it fits your macros might be viable for improving body composition, but for overall health, it won't play out very well. And this is the point where the reasonable if it fits your macros advocates, who I might add also generally happen to be those who don't have IIFYM as a brand per se attached to their names, will separate from those who either because of marketing interest or because of just sheer ignorance will keep making ridiculous claims. So the reasonable if it fits your macros advocate will address the health part of the question by saying that if it fits your macros is not about fitting in as much junk as possible into your diet and that most of your foods should come from nutrient-dense, healthy sources. And on top of that, if you want to have some junk here and there, say 10 to 20% of your total dietary intake, no big deal. I heard numerous people making such claims that I highly respect. I heard Ellen Aragon, Brad Schoenfeld, Eric Helms, Mike Isretel, Paul Revella. These are all people who are proponents to the, of the type of reasonable if it fits your macros philosophy that I'm also a supporter of. But then there is the non-reasonable IAFYM crowd who will say things like nutrient density doesn't matter, that you just need to get your macros right and you need to have enough fiber because of hashtag Twinkie diet study, which I'll touch on in a second. Or they will just kind of always talk around the question and refuse to make this little disclaimer that the more reasonable crowd is willing to make, namely that most of your food should come from nutritious sources. And I think here, once again, we are talking about a marketing issue. If you demonize clean eating, or rather you ridicule the concept of clean eating, then it becomes problematic to say that most of your food should come from nutritious sources. You know, I heard a brilliant quote from someone uh, when I was at the Health and Performance Summit in Amsterdam. And with this guy, we were talking about one of the proponent figures in the fitness industry who is representing the flexible dieting slash if it fits your macros ideology. And we were talking about these claims that there are no foods that are healthier or less healthy than others. You just need to get your macros and fiber right. And he said something which really stuck with me, which is that this person is so against all diet fads that now he made flexible dieting out to be another fad. And I think this is just so on point. And, you know, as far as the scientific claims go, as in there not being any evidence that eating a quote-unquote cleaner diet doesn't have any benefit over one composed of more junky stuff, uh, as long as calories, protein, and fiber are equated, I think these claims are hypocritical and just once again simply misleading because how would you exactly set up a study which could evaluate the health impacts of two such diets with any degree of objectivity maybe you could so 
one study design could be, for example, putting together two isocaloric diets with equal protein and fiber, and then one would compose of cookies, pastries, and some processed red meat by, say, 60%, while the other diet with the same macro composition would be like 95% composed of things like lean meats, fruits, veggies, fish, and maybe avocados and nuts. Ideally, it would also be an isocaloric diet in both groups, so no weight loss would occur in either groups, and it would be on non-overweight people because inducing weight loss in studies and getting people out of the state of being overweight is a big confounder that many of these don't control for. And then we would need to look at how the health markers change. But even then, there's only so much we could con- we could conclude because say that the higher junk food group would show inferior blood panel then still someone could argue that, well, it was because one specific compound was higher in that group, such as nitrates in the red meat or gluten in the pastries, or that the differences were down to the lower antioxidant content in the junk food group. And you could easily could have, you know, mitigated those with supplementing with a decent multivitamin. Or if the junk food group didn't show inferior blood panel, someone could come and argue that the impacts of nutrient deficiencies take longer time frames to develop and you won't see them within a 12-week study, which could actually be a viable argument. Now, if it fits your macros proponents are usually quick to point out that if it fits your macros is self-regulating because someone who doesn't have a very high macro allotment will be forced to eat healthfully because they simply won't be able to fit in a ton of junk. And this is true in general, but what you have to realize is that when you create a system, then the people following that system will invariably start pushing against its boundaries, or rather, just like gases in a chamber, will try to fill out the available spaces they have within that system. So if you tell a person that they need to get in sufficient protein, they need to get in, say, 20 grams of fiber, and they can fill in the rest with however they want... Uh, there will be a subset of the population who will actually construct a diet out of whey protein, ice cream, and some fiber supplement. Now, you could say that these people are idiots, and you, as an authority or content producer, don't need to concern yourself with idiots. And in general, I would agree with that. However, I believe that when you're a scientist, and some of the IFYM proponents I'm thinking of here are scientists in your field, and as such, your words have an added margin of perceived credibility attached to them, your statements are sort of on a pedestal amongst your followers, that comes with greater responsibility too. And you need to concern yourself with the idiots too, whether you like it or not. Now, luckily, this isn't so complicated. Once again, it comes down to a simple sentence such as, most of your foods should come from nutritious, healthy sources. Or if you don't want to use the word healthy, you can say things like foods with good nutrient density. I think that a simple phrase like this takes care of so much stuff, but apparently it's still too much to ask. And why? Because of, once again, a marketing problem. And trust me, I am following one of these individuals, and when I'm listening to him speak, I'm almost sitting on the edge of my seat, thinking, like, please, say it, say it. And no, he never does. You could ask me why I'm wasting my time this way, and it's a legit question, and I guess the answer is is that a part of me just still wants to like this person I'm talking about, like I want him to be the good guy, but no. Unfortunately, he's kind of turning into a villain. 
Uh, and as far as for the Twinkie diet study that a lot of people love bringing up, which was a real cool study uh, where this gentleman, I believe, called Professor Mark Haub, ate whey protein, cookies, and stuff like that for a period of time, lost a bunch of weight, and his blood markers improved. They love bringing this study up as sort of the nail in the coffin of all clean eating arguments. And to be honest, to me, this study only proves one thing, which is that losing weight, especially if it takes you from being overweight to being non-overweight, has such a profound health benefit that it can outweigh the negative impacts of consuming a diet composed of very nutrient-devoid foods, which is an important finding, don't get me wrong. And once again, it shows us that body composition and health are intimately tied, and being lean or at least non-overweight is not just an aesthetic consideration, it's also very much a health consideration, but it doesn't prove anything about there not being a benefit to eating a diet with high nutrient density, or there not being a detriment to eating a very nutrient-devoid diet, especially in the long term. It's just like the phenomenon where you can find studies where they flat out starve obese people on extremely low calorie diets, they lose a ton of weight, and their testosterone increases. But it's because they are getting from an unhealthy state of being obese to being non-obese and thus healthier. It doesn't mean that being on a super low calorie diet in general is not detrimental to testosterone. All right, next and last point, which kind of piggybacks on what I was talking about earlier regarding the flexibility and lifestyle aspects or the claims related to that, which is I think that the biggest thing that these people get wrong is that precise tracking of your food and being this walking human calculator when it comes to your nutrition is somehow the end goal or the final destination you're supposed to arrive in your fitness journey. So in their minds, maybe the journey would look something like you start out with just implementing some habitual changes like eating more protein, more veggies, and then over time, you learn how to track your calories, then you learn to eat protein with every meal, then you learn to track all three macros, and when you're at the last stage, now you learn to hit all your macros within five grams. And I think this is just completely backwards. I think the goal with your nutrition and fitness journey is not increased precision over time. The goal is to get you to your fitness goals in the most efficient way possible while maximizing your enjoyment of the process as much as possible. Precision is a tool that can be helpful at times. Precision is not the goal. You know, when I first got to 8% body fat in 2015 July, still marked in my calendar with golden letters, I was precise as fuck. I didn't have the experience or the knowledge to even dare to attempt that in any other way. Now, I would rather shoot myself than to be that precise day to day. And if I wanted to get down to 8% body fat again, but I believe that I could be much less precise than how I was when I did it the first time. To give you an example, I don't think I would have to use the kitchen scale at all, as unbelievable as that sounds. And to be honest, I think that the argument that being very precise and on point with your tracking is the end goal to shoot for, I think is even wrong from an optimality standpoint. I, I really think that once you're at a point where you're not dieting, you're just maintaining or slowly gaining, at some point with precise tracking, you're just being precise for the sake of being precise. Tracking all three macronutrients is a good example of that, for example. I talked about this before in a video. I'll link to that in the description. It's called Why I Think Tracking All Three Macros is Unnecessary. But long story short is that unless you're dieting and you're on super low macros, 
or you're following some special diet, like a ketogenic diet, there's just no good rationale for tracking all three macros unless you're just enjoying it. And on top of that, I think the entire discussion over tracking your food or not tracking your food precisely is somewhat moot. I think when it comes to nutrition, this question is actually very simple. A certain strategy either helps you to achieve your goals within a given time frame or it doesn't. You know, with training, for example, it's a lot more gray because you could be progressing on a certain training split, but there is always the possibility that you could be progressing even faster. With something like fat loss, there is a certain rate you're shooting for and your diet either delivers that or it doesn't. And from then on, it's just a matter of your own personal preference. So with that, what do I think should be the end goal of your nutritional journey? Well, I think Eric Helms, that I like to reference so much, phrased it really well when he said that you want to be as flexible as you can while being on point with your goals. So this flexibility, if you're looking to get to 5% body fat, might be as flexible as hitting your macros within 5 grams, all three of them. If you're looking to get to 8% body fat, the most flexible it may get is hitting your calories within 50 to 100 and your protein target, or just having a very limited food selection. But if you want to be around 10 to 12% body fat as a guy, for example, it might be as flexible as just eating based on hunger and satiety and eating the majority of your food from satiating wholesome foods and having good habits in place, such as what I was talking about in the intuitive eating series. If someone enjoys tracking, that is completely fine. And I would never question someone's personal preferences. But I think the argument over optimality is once again kind of moot. So, closing thoughts. I think overall, the if it fits your macros slash flexible dieting movement was a positive one in the nutrition world. Because not only did it help people to achieve their goals, but it also educated them about scientific nutritional principles such as energy balance and macronutrients. This actually makes it in my eyes superior to something like the paleo movement or the low carb movement, which even though it helped people with their goals, it sold people on a story which had several flaws and questionable elements to it and failed to inform them about the scientific principles I just mentioned, or in some cases, flat out denied them, such as in the case of Gary Taubes' work. The problem, however, began when the If It Fits Your Macros movement fell for the same thing that so many other dietary approaches fall for, namely making sexy claims. And unfortunately, nutrition is something in which there is nothing sexy. There are just these unsexy things that happen in the body, and you manipulate them with a bunch of unsexy things, such as calorie manipulations, and you get results. And then it's a matter of practical and psychological consideration to choose how you want to institute these manipulations. If it fits your macros is one way to institute that. But at the end of the day, it still rides on the one component that is present in basically all approaches, which is restriction. And despite all the incredible claims that If It Fits Your Macros proponents like to make, the way in which they institute this restriction is not inherently superior to any other way of doing it, be it clean eating, low carb, intuitive eating, or what have you. If it suits your own personal psychology and preferences, that is all good. But if you're demonizing or ridiculing other approaches while putting If It Fits Your Macros on a pedestal for claimed benefits that it simply doesn't have, I think you might be benefiting from eating a humble pie. So with that, my question to you, which I'm almost scared to ask this this time, 
what do you think of if it fits your macros? And more importantly, what do you think of how the movement of if it fits your macros unfolded in the last couple of years? Hey guys, I just want to tell you again that your inputs for this podcast will help it grow more than anything. And your requests, ideas, and comments will contribute to awesome content going live on this channel and podcast more than anything. So if you want to contribute, the best thing you can do is to go on Facebook and look up sustainable self-development. You'll find both the page and the Facebook group that is dedicated to discussions and ideas being thrown around. Go there and note down your comments about what kinds of topics or guests you want to be featured on this podcast and YouTube channel in the future. Just keep in mind the general theme of this podcast and my YouTube channel, which is to help people becoming their best selves in terms of lifestyle as it pertains to fitness and general personal development. This podcast is really dedicated to self-improvement, both physically and mentally. So keep that in mind. So thanks again for tuning in and see you next time.